0: Question, are you ready for some football? Well, if you're planning to tailgate, too, you better plan to pay up. It's going to cost you more this season for sure. According to a new report, the prices of a number of tailgating essentials have gone up because of inflation. Gas costs more, of course, and then flying into an alma mater will cost more, too, with airfares up 28 percent since last year. Beer up nearly 5 percent since last July and groceries 13% higher. Now, if you're grilling, propane and firewood are also up about 22%. Just keep shelling out that money.
1: A growing number of U.S. companies say that they are planning
0: to lay off workers. A lot of uncertainty over the future. Of jobs in this country. Some major companies already announcing cuts, including Ford, cutting 3,000 jobs. Now, a new survey finds more than half of all major companies in the U.S. are planning layoffs in the coming months, while 52% are preparing for hiring freezes. 44% plan to rescind job offers.
1: So, looking back at some of those decisions, including masks, you were first opposed to them, then you embrace them. Uh, the severity of of the epidemic itself and completely shutting down uh, virtually the entire American economy. Do you regret particularly the last one, the shutdown, the sweeping shutdown that some said made things worse? No, I I don't, uh, Neil. And in fact, I think we need to make sure that your listeners understand I didn't shut down anything. So as we told you, Charlie Crist, the former Republican, is now running for governor of Florida as a Democrat. Charlie Crist has switched teams so many times over his life. Who knows what he'll be by the end of the campaign? We can't wait to find out. It's going to be hilarious.
2: Those who support the governor should stay with him and vote for him. And I don't want your vote. If you have that hate in your heart, keep it there. I want the vote of the people of Florida who care about our state good Democrats, good independents, good Republicans, unify with this ticket.
0: But a new CNBC poll finds that many worry that canceling student debt could have some unintended consequences. A majority of Americans, 59%, are concerned loan forgiveness will make inflation worse. That's according to a new survey by CNBC and Momentive. The concern is that borrowers would have more money to spend driving up demand, driving up inflation. People think that the President of the United States, is this more on the subject than you ever want to know? Will you let me know. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone, he can delay, but he does not have that power. That would have to be an act of Congress.
2: Welcome back, all of you now student loan-free <laughs> college students and other listeners to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 98 here in the American Energy Alliance studios. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle.
3: And I'm Nancy Pelosi's campaign manager, Mike McKenna. Welcome back,
2: Michael. Yeah, man. How has your week been, sir? Uneventful. 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 No, no travels. I went did to Dallas
3: and, and, and... To the Big D. I went to Dallas went to the Big D, dance like a monkey for some people, and then that was about it.
2: I did a little dancing in Oklahoma City earlier in the week. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad to be here with you, though, kind sir. Any announcements this I have, week?
3: Yeah, I have a couple of things I want to get at. I want to get off my chest right out of the gate. Um, first, it's Megan Miller's birthday. Um, she is... Um, she works in the personal office for... Congressman Scalise, and is without a doubt one of my very favorite staffers on the Hill. So happy birthday, Megan! Um, and then the other thing is, we got some feedback from a listener, a long-time listener, who was a little unclear on what I meant when I um, chipped at Abraham Lincoln last week. So let me clarify. Okay,
2: okay. I thought maybe we were getting back into walk around money, but <laughs> no, 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 no,
3: no, no. So let me clarify. Um, in the 19th century, more importantly, in the 50 years in the middle that that cut the middle of the 19th century from about 1830 to 1880, every single nation in this hemisphere, the one we're in now, um, managed to outlaw slavery and free their enslaved peoples. And every single one of them did it without violence, except for one, the United States required violence. Civil War was an epic failure of public policy. Abraham Lincoln was in the middle of that failure of public policy. I'm not saying he's a bad person. I'm not saying that he didn't execute the war manfully and well and honorably. What I'm saying is is that somehow everybody else in this hemisphere figured out a way to do it without killing 615,000 people. So I don't know if Lincoln is great or not or whatever, but if you're judging him according to his peer group, He underperformed.
2: Gotcha. Sorry about that. to to, uh, a a vast majority of the um, deaths in the Civil War were due to, like, disease, basically. Yeah, well, that's because... Not to to diminish uh, that uh, at all. It's because
3: people came off the farm and they were standing around in army camps, which are nasty places under the best of circumstances. It's just, we have this hagiography about Lincoln. He, you know, freed the slaves. I'm like... Bad news, kids. Everybody else did too, and nobody else had a sigh through three quarters of a million of their countrymen to do it.
2: Okay, I have an announcement. Uh, actually, two announcements. Well, One have- is last week we played a yet another clip from Fox's uh, star of the uh, of the moment, Tucker Carlson, poking fun at Liz Cheney, at which he mentioned AI. AEI, yeah, and yeah. we had some fun with that. But I want to make a clarification here. Okay. That some at AI are squishy, but there is at least one scholar at AI who is a stone cold killer, and his name is Benjamin Zyker. Ben Zyker, yeah. Man. So I want to give him his props. Oh, because yeah, he, he, he is he, the man.
3: He's so. he's he's crazier than we are, if that's Ben. Possible. If
2: you're listening, uh, that was not a, that was not directed at you, sir.
3: No, of course not.
2: The other thing is, is occasionally we'll do this, and uh, we did it this week uh, earlier today. We recorded an interview with. Liz Bowman, who is uh, one of the executives at the American Exploration and Production Council, AXPC. And just a top dog top dog
3: communicator that has been ever, at least since I've known her. Yep,
2: and uh, so we will play that interview later in the show for folks, and uh, we'll put AXPC's information in the show notes as well. Beautiful. So that's it for my announcements. This day in history, sir, Uh, in A.D., uh, Seventy nine.
3: What day? We're going
2: day? way back. The way uh, back uh, machine.
3: Uh, uh, Vesuvius, Pompeii. Boom. Pompeii. Man, you're good. Seventy nine. There's the only thing that happened in, in, <laughs> in, in, in seventy nine A.D. After
2: centuries of dormancy, Mount Vesuvius erupted in southern Italy, devastating the prosperous Roman cities of Pompeii and Herculaneum, Herculaneum and yeah. killing thousands. The cities were buried under a thick layer of volcanic material and mud. were never rebuilt and largely forgotten.
3: True story. Most of the, it turns out that most of them weren't killed by the
2: heat or the lava. No, it they were was killed the by cloud the of toxic gas. The gas, yeah, that poured into the yeah. city and suffocated everybody. Now, I feel terrible for the two thousand people who perished on that day here on August twenty fourth. But I will say this.
3: Seventy nine, yeah.
2: I will say this: the San Marzano tomato
3: is much better grown the at eruption. the base
2: of Mount Vesuvius oh, is man. bar none the <laughs> single best tomato to make homemade marinara sauce. Ladies
3: and, and pizza gentlemen, sauce. I just want to point out: so
2: that we're the only podcast
3: going on in America <laughs> where you can go from critiquing Abe Lincoln to getting <laughs> advice on
2: tomatoes. Only look for the DOP <laughs> 10 label. Minutes. Don't read it. if it says San Marzano style. Do not buy it. You have to have the DOP. You know, it label makes you think that if can. the state of
3: Washington guys were were sensible, they'd start growing tomatoes at the base of Mount St Helens, right?
2: All right, I got another one. Uh, a little bit more recent, 1814. 1814 August twenty-four. The dog uh, days of summer, yeah, eighteen fourteen.
3: British burned the White House. Boom! You're two for two. I know, man. Holy well matter. done. I haven't done this in like ever. All right. I should probably quit the rest of the day and go home. Everybody knows what
2: happened. The British came and they just slashed away. Okay.
3: A bunch of our listeners live in D.C. or in and around D.C. And I know that none of you have ever actually um, retraced the the battle battle line, right? The battle march for the British, right? They landed – they landed near, real near Bladensburg, is where they landed, right? And there was a battle of Bladensburg right there, and the Americans basically threw their guns down. There was another little skirmish at where what's now the um, that cemetery out by um, out by RFK, right? There's was a cemetery over on the yeah yeah national like cemetery, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Or- yeah, there was another skirmish there where an American, the American commander Barney, I can't remember his first name, Barney died. Um, and the British um uh he fought so well personally, the British like they carried his body to their to their ships or something. Anyway, um and then they basically marched down Pennsylvania Avenue and burnt the burnt the burnt the White House to the ground. The whole operation was like six hours from landing to to mm-hmm. White House, right? It was just amazing. And as you know, there's still scorch marks on some yes, parts of the yeah. yeah.
2: Two other fun facts, British soldiers uh, reportedly sat down to eat a meal of leftover food <laughs> from the white white house Why not? shortly after the Why let it go to skirmish uh and it turns out that uh president madison and dolly never returned to the to, the, to live in the white house again they resided at the octagon house yeah right down the street for uh, and it wasn't until 1817 newly minted President James Monroe moved back into the reconstructed White House. So, Um, and then lastly, and this one I'm kind of pissed about. (laughs) Yeah. 2006. Uh,
3: 2006, August in 2006.
2: I don't know. The International Astronomical Union voted to demote Pluto 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 (laughs) from the ninth planet from the sun to one of dozens of known dwarf planets. Didn't they change their mind? They on that They unplutoed later? Pluto. Didn't they as change a planet. their mind
3: about that later? No. Okay.
2: They call it a plutoid.
3: Well, you know, like all good bureaucracies, I'm sure they make mistakes from time to time.
2: Anyway, uh, Sorry. I'll just, it'll always be a planet to me. That's all I, I have to say about that. You know, that.
3: between I'm 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 sure the people at uh, at the base of Vesuvius are super concerned about whether Pluto's a planet or <laughs> not. Uh, okay. It's San Marzano t- tomatoes are probably the most important thing in that whole, that whole string
2: of stories. Heck yeah. All right. On to the show. On to the serious stuff. Yeah, there were three states that had primaries yesterday. Yeah. Florida, Oklahoma, and New York. <laughs> Congressman and former Governor Charlie Crist we heard from in the opening clips
1: very... has
2: bested Agriculture Commissioner Nikki Freed to claim the du- Democratic nomination to face
3: yeah. Ron,
2: DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Val Demings, Congresswoman Val Demings, sure. is easily the winner in the primary to take on our good friend, Senator Marco Rubio. Yeah. Uh, also, Matt Gaetz, <laughs> who is being investigated... <laughs> for a few things trounced uh former FedEx executive Mark Lombardo so he's coming back unless he ends up going somewhere for a while uh, you know um so <laughs> we well, wouldn't be congress without the occasional rando and uh Daniel Webster actually eked out a win over conservative activist Laura Loomer so Daniel Webster's who coming back who
3: refused to accept the defeat refused to concede and hollered about the election and all i could think of is yeah
2: sure why wouldn't you do that yes of course so Florida's shaping up uh to be you know i think it's going to be i don't think the democrats are gonna they're two really interesting too things. Many inroads into these into these high profile do you, races. you
3: want to talk about the rest of the races or
2: you want to do, no, you, no no you, you what do you got no, I mean, no. no, I, no I, i'm going to talk about new york and let's let's go through florida and then let's hit well the if other they two. do new
3: york and then we'll come back to florida well i
2: i want to bring this up too though because i thought this was interesting, given. Um, certain situations and changes in in my world uh 25 desantis endorsed yeah school school board candidates won and according to a uh organization called the 1776 1776 Project. project yeah they flipped about a half a dozen, or or not uh, quite a half a dozen board uh, school school boards in Florida. That's right, including to conservative majorities. That's right,
3: including big ones like Miami. Yeah, yeah. that's Chris. That's Christopher Ruffo's thing. It, it. I was going to mention that as one of the important things that happened in the election. Um So he backed Florida. thirty.
2: So he got twenty five out of thirty. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's. It's probably the
3: most interesting part of the story of this whole election cycle and that, you know, Republicans are starting to take school board elections seriously. And that's that's some bad mojo if you're on the other side. Right. Oh, yeah. Because like, um, that's that's the um, that's training ground for your city councilman, your congressman, stuff like that.
2: Yeah. At 1776 Project pack on Twitter yeah. to follow uh, to follow this story. Um yeah. The other interesting thing
3: while you're paging through that, the other interesting thing that 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 is worth noting is is that Nikki Freed lost. And I'll come and back. Not close. No, no, no. Go let's go through the New York stuff and then we'll talk about Nikki for a All second. Right, fair enough.
2: New York, the big uh the big the big guy beat Carolyn Maloney, uh the the two old bull, old guard. Democrats saddest, faced each other. Jerry Nadler ever. and Carolyn Maloney. I we played a clip the other day where they uh, emphatically like ran away from Joe so Biden and just then embraced the, him. Like you it's
3: know just the saddest next race ever. Just watching these two yeah. old, old old guys
2: slug. The weird out thing just... about that race was that Planned Parenthood, all the pro-abortion groups endorsed Nadler yeah, over Maloney. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what that that was all about. You know, know, a Judiciary either, Committee, uh, maybe, or I guess you know, seemed like a weird you thing. Can't ever tell with these guys, right? But uh, we have a new congressperson in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, Tom Reed resigned this year. And the caretaker candidate, uh, Joe Semplonsky. You got me. I'm not sure. Joe Semplonsky won the special election. So he will be here right away. Um, And the only other interesting tidbit that I have from that is that... um, there was this race in the new 19th district that everyone said it could be a flip that wasn't a flip.
3: Yeah, Pat Ryan beat... Um,
2: Pat Ryan beat uh, Mark, Molinaro. Mark Molinaro. But the weird thing, so the Dems are saying like that this is all this blue wave stuff, right? Like yeah. they're coming on to say they were supposed to flip that and they didn't. Here's the weird thing. So he's going to fill that, that things, the rest of that seat in the 19th, but he also simultaneously ran in a different district, and so he's on the ballot for a whole different seat, yeah, and Molinaro is on the ballot, ballot for, for the a, same yeah. seat, the nineteenth seat with a different opponent in November, yeah, it, so that was just weird, it's a lot of messiness, yeah, and then of course, uh the other highlight I had from New York is there was a uh uh two former members who lost um That was that was Florida. Start and then the the one other thing I thought was interesting was that there was one other uh, house race where former mayor De Blasio, yeah, ran and withdrew.
3: Yeah, withdrew. Well, really,
2: um... <laughs> polling was so low that like. He, was that,
3: I he think it was the same district a
2: hundred percent name id and his polling was That's his a, polling was in not like always the good i mean tank.
3: hitler has got hundred percent name yeah, ID, yeah, but you it's know, not always good
2: anyway so I, it's safe to say mayor De, Former Mayor de Blasio, Wilhelm. Is that his name?
3: Wilhelm de Blasio. That is, in
2: fact, his name. Wilhelm. I think he's probably done as a politician. Let's hope so. That's unfortunate. We're going to miss him. All right, on to Oklahoma. Mark Wayne Mullen is likely to be replacing Senator Senator Jim Inhofe for the four remaining years of his term after beating former Speaker Shannon. Um, That race was pretty much... Yeah, and that
3: thing's been that thing's been baked. caked
2: for a while. it has been um, baked since Inhofe got up and announced he was leaving. And uh, I I don't even know what ended up happened to Luke. Luke so. turned
3: out I think third of four
2: candidates. And in the Mullen open second congressional district, the primaries' second place finisher, finisher former state rep Josh Breck- Brecken, won the Republican runoff over favored. Okie from Muskogee, former state rep Avery Fricks. So we'll have a new congressman, and Congressman uh, Mullins will be a senator uh, in a very short time in
3: Oklahoma. One, I'll say. Okay, so two things about the election. We're going to get into we're going to get into the House elections. I I promised this last week. We'll do it next week, maybe the week after. I don't know. I'll get to it in the next ten days. Um, We've had four specials now. before special elections, since Dobbs in the House, since the Dobbs um, decision in the House, and what we've got our what we what we got is a pattern now of Democrats overperforming um, the Biden numbers in 2020. Now, there's two possible ways to think about this, and they're not mutually exclusive. It could be both things, right? Thought number one is is that Republicans don't turn out. Not all Republicans turn out when. Donald Trump's not on the ballot, right, at 2020, right, um, and that therefore the real Biden number was closer. You know, was closer to plus six, plus seven instead of plus two or three. And in, in New York, right, it was uh, Biden was a plus two. Pat Ryan won by um, three point eight percentage points, right. Assuming that that number holds up, so, um, so, so possibility number one is um, we're having a little bit of lack of enthusiasm with the Trump voters, right. That, I think that's most of it. Uh possibility number two is we're having an increase in democratic engagement um, because of the Dobbs decision. That's not showing up in survey data, so I'm not sure it's 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 what's happening on these specials. Um, but it's enough to concern me. I'm gonna go back through and read these numbers, like all uh, in all of it. I'm probably gonna write something on it too, because it it um is a relevant question. You know, if if this if this thing's about enthusiasm, um it's gonna be it's bad for for Republicans in November. The other thing, and this is something, I, this is something in the back of my head too, and I, I got to find some survey data on it. Um, I wonder how many Republican voters look at the current Republican Party and say, "You know what? These guys voted for the gun thing, and they voted for chips." You know? They're
2: not telling. I think the most important thing and, is is they're not telling us what that's right. to give the, them a reason that's to right. vote for and, them. And
3: the thing, and what happened in New York, to your point. His Molinara ran a campaign exclusively on inflation. That's all he talked about, right? And that's great, but you know what? That's kind of like baked into the cake at this point. Yeah, you know, it's like reminding people that hey, you know, you're you're old and summer's hot, or whatever. i just like, yeah, no, no, thanks. So, it it's some stew of all of that stuff. I haven't figured out what's the most important threads, but I was surprised that Molinar lost that race.
2: Yeah, and Republicans are running out of time. Uh, We don't have all the time in the world. You're you're less than Uh,
3: 80 days away from the final day of voting.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, what happens in September and October, you know, for example, it would be very nice if the Republican leadership announced before the election that they're not going to do a, lame duck spending bill
3: huh. right huh.
2: it would be it would be ideal if they were to say something like if you vote for me i will ensure you that we will not be doing lame duck spending bills we will carry these Spending decisions over to the new Congress.
3: We're not going to clear the decks. We're, we're not going to clean out the barn, as John Boehner one. would say. So, so two things. Be- uh, but
2: I don't think that that's what they want to do. I think they want to do a spending bill after a lame duck <sighs> yeah,
3: spending bill. And, that's, and so that, that's that's the current arguments, discussions going on right now is how um, long is the CR that we're that's coming our way? How long is it going to be? And there's some Republicans who are like, let's make it three months so we have a chance to vote on it in January. And there's some Republicans who are like, let's make it two months, to your point about – you because know, cause, – and, and a member actually said this to me. A House member actually said this to me about a week ago. Yeah, we're not sure we want to make the new guys vote on this stuff. And I'm just like, why, they, why not? What the hell? They're – they ran for Congress, right? They must know what some about what's going on. That's right. So okay, that's one. The other thing I want to say before we leave the before we leave the election results. The the thing that's contrary to the idea that it's all about abortion on the Democratic side is Nikki Freed lost and it wasn't close. And Nikki Freed ran a campaign almost exclusively on the fact that she was a female and was um, pro choice. And the fact that Charlie Chris, um, Nobody's idea of
2: a, of a <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> nobody's idea. He's of a uniter, just like Biden.
3: Nobody's idea of anything really. Uh, the fact that he wiped her out makes me wonder. It was sixty
2: thirty five. Yeah, it, about, was yeah, yeah, was yeah, it wasn't close. Outcome. Yeah. So it, there it, was something that never resonated with Nikki Fried and, and her own party. But I guarantee
3: you. I mean, I was, you know, I, you tell me, but I can I'm pretty confident yeah. she probably spent more. She, she, spent, she probably outspent Charlie on this thing.
2: So has val Demings got a chance against Rubio given all this swirl that you're talking about or do you think Florida is pretty much uh, immune Florida, to that I think stuff?
3: Florida's pretty much baked yeah i mean it's good let's put it this way you have to imagine he for 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 congresswoman Demings to win here's what you have to imagine that um Ron DeSantis is going to become governor, and Rubio is going to run substantially behind him, and that's just not how the world's right, going to right. work. Yeah. You know, Ron right. DeSantis is going to win this thing by ten or twelve. He's points. He's about as
2: popular as, as yeah. he's been. He's going to he's going win by ten especially. or twelve.
3: Point. And and I so. know the guys running his campaign, top top yeah. top guy. He's our best operative, right? So best operative, best candidate. He's going to win by ten or twelve points. And and Senator Rubio and. All the other Republicans up up are just going to draft right along behind him. So the idea that Val Demings is going to run, um, you know, 10 better than Rubio yeah. is, just seems unlikely. All right. Yeah. Which is too bad. I mean, I, I, until she did the impeachment thing, I thought she'd be a, a natural Republican. Yeah, yeah. well. well, Liz
2: Cheney did the impeachment thing, too. So who knows, really? Yeah. So uh, another big news, another announcement today. This is from the New York Times. Biden to cancel ten thousand dollars in student loan debt. Yeah, low-income students are eligible for more. Uh, the the specifics. It's really twenty uh, grand. Cancel ten ten thousand for those earning less than one hundred twenty-five, with an additional ten thousand for those who have received Pell grants for low-income students, providing quote providing economic relief for tens of millions of Americans. Yeah, the debt. Re- the debt forgiveness, although less than the amount some Democrats had hoped for, comes after months of deliberations and fears it could act, exacerbate inflation even uh, before the midterm elections, et cetera, et cetera. He's yeah. keeping his campaign promise, folks. Yeah, well, um,
3: I think that 125000 is for individual filers. I think it's two hundred fifty for married. In fact, I'm pretty it sure it's two hundred fifty for married. I was going to get married. into that. Uh, um, which means that if you're a lawyer or a doctor you're probably um going to get you're probably going to get 10,000 or 20,000 for forgiven. That's the thing. One, thing two is we're not using the word forgiven anymore. It's simply shifting it off to somebody else. The other thing that strikes me is is that 300 billion dollars in deficit reduction that we all talked about as part of the reconciliation that's gone now. He just blew well, that up today.
2: Not only is it gone, but some very smart people have been pointing out that the federalization of the student loan program was a pay for for Obamacare.
3: Yeah, huh.
2: the funny. interest on the loans, quote unquote, was going to for supposed to pay for Obamacare. So, so that is going to be wiped out. Sure, it, it as well.
3: And and Nancy, here's where Nancy Pelosi is probably right. I'm not sure this is legal. And somebody's going to litigate on it, right?
2: It doesn't matter because the announcement is today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. People are going to go through the process between now and November, right? But this this cuts both ways. And let me play this clip that's been floating around today.
3: Any money so and those of us who did the right thing get screwed. My buddy had fun, bought a car, went on vacations. I saved my money. He made more than I did, but I worked a double shift, worked extra. My daughter works
1: in his ten. so you're laughing. Yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. We did the right thing, and we get screwed. I appreciate that's it. Not- <laughs> that was
2: a constituent at the Grimes Community High School Dallas Center in Iowa, where Senator Elizabeth Warren was gripping and grinning. And it was a little bit, a uh, b- lot of background noise, but but the gist of it is, uh, uh, am I going to get a, re- a rebate for the student loan that I work my tail off to pay back?
3: Yeah, you know, they're, they're, this thing, I know they think it's going to help their own enthusiasm. But it's going to drive Republican turnout like mad because people are just like, there's, you know, I did the math the other, I did the math, in, I think I wrote in a column, editorial, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I did the math the other day: two hundred eighty-five million people in this country, um, who are going to get the pro, the the privilege and the pleasure of paying off the the debt of the other forty-five million, and,
2: well, not th- only that, it's like just, plumbers, it's like. It's like skill tra- like but even that guy, folks who didn't like go the college room. Well, I mean, there's, there's, it's a there's, shift. There's it's, three- a sh- it's a it is a literally a shift to sure. wealthy people.
3: It's regressive. Well, but the thing about it is, it's not just people who didn't go to college. It's people who went to college and paid it off. It's people like like um like my son who did ROTC right, who paid it off through service. All of these people are hoes now, and the only question is is. You know, they're going to be able to hide it long enough to... to um... Right.
2: Or or basically, like, is it... It's going to unravel and fall apart, but they probably yeah. figured what they... For something that um, they belabored and, and agonized over, yeah. I, I think maybe they deliberately waited this long because they knew it was going to fall apart. And wanted to get close and enough And wanted to the get election. close enough to the election. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because much like the... Inf- quote-unquote inflation reduction act and I didn't talk about this we didn't talk about this but my take on that is there was an amazing amount of detail in that for Joe Manchin to have just quote-unquote changed his mind Uh, right yeah meaning that they had they had been working for a very long time on that specific piece of legislation and, and spent a lot of time crafting it it was very detailed it was
3: it was, even for tax legislation, it was detailed, and that's what it was, right? It was tax legislation anyways it it this we're going to see how this student loan thing plays itself out, but i I can't imagine a world in which this doesn't drive turnout among <laughs> among republicans if you if you If you think people were sleepy in the specials, that's probably over now.
2: I I would say this too. I mean, I have sympathy because they're
3: smart enough to do something. I have
2: sympathy for somebody who went to college and for whatever reason. Didn't work out whether they had a family situation or they just didn't make it or something else happened and they've got the loan and don't have the degree. Right. That sucks. Yeah. But there's gotta be like somewhere there's gotta be something for them without this other piece of it which is basically just a bribe i believe it's just a bribe
3: it's not you, it's not just it's it, it's not you believe it's a bribe it's just a bribe yeah and you know what here's the remedy for other people you got to pay it off i'm sorry you made a bad mistake you got to do something with it you know what how many people's like, homes I mean, let we, them
2: stretch it out whatever you know whatever uh, discharge it to bankruptcy if you f- want some interest right like you do know, something but, right but but this this this, this, this is what it, I, I warned about This is what I warned about when they federalized the program Yeah Right, and this is, for all you listening out there Who've got little nest eggs in your 401ks Diversify Because you Current law isn't bound Right Yeah They could go after these 401ks down the road Yeah They could change them, they could do a whole bunch of stuff to them Yeah, right? it,
3: it's, it's whatever i um, on um, so anyway. Okay. Um,
2: chart of the week,
3: yeah, Eprink, yeah, our boys, our chart boys,
2: of the week, our, our friends at the
3: Energy Power Research Foundation,
2: <laughs> Eprink, Eprink chart of the week, GHG impact of Inflation Reduction Act and bipartisan infrastructure law. The DO estimates that the combined $433 billion of energy provisions in the IRA and the uh, infrastructure quote-unquote law uh, could reduce U.S. GHG emissions by around 1,000 metric tons in 2030. This assumes...
3: 1,000 million metric tons. A billion tons. A million, yeah.
2: Sorry, 1,000 million metric tons. Uh, This estimate assumes the full implementation of the laws, as well as a quote-unquote all-of-society participation from all stakeholders. (laughs) Meaning full out, right? Every dollar allocated. Sure. Every program, blah, blah, blah. There's
3: no fraud. Nothing goes wrong. Nothing goes sideways. However,
2: the intended reduction, if fully achieved, will still fall well short of the sheer scale of the greenhouse gas reductions needed, particularly in China, approximately $11,000 metric tons. The total world GHG emissions from the energy sector were over 37,000 million metric tons in 2019. And this is a lower estimate, I think, than you had. The 1,000 million metric ton reduction will be about the cost of $430 Per metric ton of CO two below EIA's reference scenario.
3: Yeah, so the Eprint guys just focused on energy emissions, and they added in the infrastructure stuff, which I did not add yeah. in. Yeah, um, four hundred dollars a ton. That, that's a that is a wild underestimation. I, when we when we do a review in five years, we're going to find out the actual number per ton is closer to two or three thousand bucks. And you know what? When that happens, I'm going to call a blue and demand a free dinner. <laughs> as long as there's cacio pepe oh, on the I'm menu gonna say, i'm going to be like Look, everybody
2: is going to win i hate to say this but me and so, your numbers
3: guys disagree on something and i'm right
2: all right i want to play this clip from uh cnbc because i want i want you to hear it from someone other than me so it uh theoretically has uh some credibility sure but this is uh this is the first time i've seen this sort of narrative sort of being pushed out from the media.
3: Yeah, let's have
1: it. It actually goes back, if you really look at what happened, you had you had Gerhard Schroeder, who kind of ruled Germany as chancellor for, for basically two, two sessions, right? Uh, and, and basically from 98 to 2005, uh, he was chancellor of Germany. He started decommissioning uh, uh, the nuclear power in Germany uh, back then, saying that there was a, a much larger supply uh, of cheap gas in Russia. And, and literally, when you look back to the timeline, it's frightening what you see Putin doing uh, with, with Schroeder. Uh, Schroeder was, uh, uh, right before he was voted out in 2005 as chancellor, a few weeks beforehand, he agreed to get the German government to guarantee a billion euros of the cost of the Nord Stream pipeline. Then within days of his departure in 2005, Brian, he became CEO of the Nord Stream 1. And then Russia in 20, somewhere around 2016, they added him to be chairman of the board of Rosneft, Russia's largest oil producer. And 20 days before Putin's invasion of Ukraine this year in 2022, on February 4th, he, he agreed to join the board of Gazprom. Uh, when you look back at what happened, uh, Gerhard Schroeder sold Germany and really Europe out to yep. Russia into a plan that Putin has had for for decades, and he made them incredibly dependent upon Russian gas. And
3: yeah, I, I find all that totally unremarkable. I was there for.
2: I, I understand you do, but not a lot of people do, I, right? It, not a lot of people do. You know who was all over this was our friend, the dearly departed Alex Alexiev, who was barking uh, everywhere and everywhere he could about the influence that Schroeder had.
3: I, I don't. I, I
2: on on impact he had on Eastern Europe as well, right? So, you so you got this. I don't worry. chancellor who became Putin's puppet. Yeah. I, 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 German I, Chancellor who be, who basically set the stage for all of this. You know what?
3: I've been I've been thinking about this European thing quite a bit, and you know what I've concluded?
2: Are you ready? <laughs> I can't wait. I don't fire it up. I, you I don't, don't care. care. I didn't think so.
3: I don't care. You know what? The, the The Europeans have have spent twenty years making lousy energy decisions and letting a trader like Schroeder sell him and sell himself and their country and his own country down the river and you know what while it was happening we were warning them about it and if you remember the Germans laughed at Trump at the United Nations and I'm just like okay you've been warned and lots of evidence and you know what now something bad happened so You know, when we talk about, we should help the, we should help the Europeans or we should care about the Europeans. I'm like, these guys all made their beds and now they're all going to get to lie on them. I, truthfully, if I was an American, I would not breach any of my LNG agreements with Asia or or with Asia to, to send
2: the gas to Europe. I'd just be like, you guys are on your own. The other thing too is, um, this whole notion that Joe Biden, you know, uh, another interview with charlie chris was like oh i'd love to have biden down to florida he, <laughs> look at all the great things he's done he's unified the the country he's unified the world nato is stronger than ever we've talked about this who's wow. spending all the money seriously who's man. appropriating all this money and shoveling it into ukraine yeah it, the united it, states yeah
3: that's right it, nato isn't doing anything right and it, again there's an editorial coming out i think Think here real shortly tomorrow maybe, um, from the Washington Times. Yes, that's going to lay all this out. Going to say, hey, our the, the partner
2: here at the unregulated the Germans,
3: Podcast. the Germans and the Europeans in a larger sense, unable, unable to wean themselves off Russian natural gas. Putin picked February intentionally. There's just you look. The more I the more I think about it, the more I'm like, he knew that they couldn't wean themselves off Russian natural gas in the middle of winter. So, long story short, you can say this however you want. And we're heading into the next winter, by the way. Of course we are. And, the, and you know, and storage is okay, but not great. The important thing to know here is, is that, and people resist this, but it's the truth that Europeans and especially the Germans are funding the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and we are funding the Ukrainian resistance to that invasion. And the Russians are probably laughing at us, and I'm sure the Chinese are as well. Uh, in a way, if you think about it, we're kind of bailing the Ukrainians out from their lousy decisions, yeah. too. Yeah. So George Washington was right. You know, the Europeans deserve to be given some wide berth because they're just bad news, generally speaking.
2: Uh this is just in off of the Transit Lawrence is that, Tribe Is that
3: too much Did I say too much No you're good man okay. This is La- the,
2: this is the unregulated podcast for The name is the unregulated Lawrence Tribe Lawrence Tribe a Harvard Law School uh, I know teacher who Lawrence is Larry Tribe Larry Tribe <laughs> yeah Good news for thousands of my former students Oh I'm grateful on their behalf Mr. President Harvard Law hey, students finally be- relief For graduates of Harvard Law.
3: The poor scuffling kids That tells you
2: everything you need to know about this program. I just want to point out real quick, John Fetterman went to Harvard. Okay, we will continue on energy with our interview with Liz Bowman. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, we are happy, pleased to be joined this week by Liz Bowman, who is the vice president for communications at the American Exploration and Production Council. And rather than read her bio and read it in a static way that is sort of like blah, 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 I'm gonna let Liz uh, introduce her and also tell us about AXPC.
0: Great, so thank you for having me first and foremost. My name is Liz Bowman and I am the vice president of the American Exploration and Production Council, which represents the American shale companies. And so we represent the onshore producers of oil and natural gas here in the United States. As the Vice President of Communications, I'm in charge of the messaging and the external communications and so I came here from I would say, you know, over a decade of experience doing general messaging and communications on the energy side on a variety of energy and environmental issues I worked for Multiple trade associations did advocacy work. Um, And I think most people would probably be the most familiar with my work at the EPA, where I was the uh, associate administrator for public affairs in the Trump administration during um, Scott Perot's tenure.
2: Did you, were you there just for Mr. Pruitt or where did you overlap yes. with Mr. Wheeler? Um,
0: Wheeler was there as the deputy when I was there. So I'm, I'm very close with Wheeler as well. Um, but he was not the administrator when I was there. What did you
2: do after that?
0: So after that, I went to the Hill and I worked for Senator Joni Ernst
2: mm-hmm.
0: as her comms director.
2: Cool. Very cool. Well, welcome. Thank you very much. Tell us uh, some of the, you know, give us uh, some of the A- AXPC companies.
0: Sure. And like
2: give us a sense of their footprint in terms of the overall industry here uh, in the United States.
0: Absolutely. So we operate in all the major basins. So in the Permian, the Marcellus, the Utica, which generally I'm sure most people know, but it's Texas, New Mexico, Oklahoma, North Dakota, Colorado, Wyoming, um, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia. I'm sure I'm missing a few, but those are kind of yeah, sure. operating in about a dozen states and we represent the largest independent producers of oil and natural gas, which I said. So some of those companies include Pioneer, Devon, Marathon, Cotera, EQT um, on the natural gas side. And so we kind of have a broad industry representation, sure. but it is the largest producers. In the United States.
2: Great. And so you're sort of a little bit, uh, you're like the true blue American producers, right? Like, we
0: like to think of, yes, yeah, we are. We are the yeah. shale. I mean, our companies are responsible for the American shale revolution. Oh,
2: God bless all of them. And in, in case you left any out, we're going to include a link. To AXPC's website in the show I, I notes, so our out. friends can. <laughs> Not
1: intentionally,
0: friends, but there's two I know, I know, I there's I a couple in there, right? I know. this long I know. list, but it's I'm gonna maybe I'll try to make an effort to memorize them all in alphabetical order at some point. <laughs> that would be fun, so I can go through
2: it very quickly. All right, so um, Anne Bradbury is your CEO, and I've known Anne forever and ever. Please say hi for us, and if, if you're listening, hello. We'll get you on the show as well. Uh, and I I wanted to say that uh, we uh, we like what you guys are doing. You. Uh, you come, you know, you, you, I think you're doing a good job of differentiating your voice a little bit from some of the other uh, groups in town. And so we want to uh, s- applaud gravy. that.
3: Could you say that? We want to applaud
2: that. <laughs> um, so this big bill that just passed. Yes. How bad is it really for the for the independent producers? Not for the whole industry, right, right. for your guys, for right. our guys.
0: So at ASPC, we were and have been and remain opposed to the IRA because we believe that it creates. There's a lot of provisions in there which restrict domestic production, which obviously harms um, our nation's energy prices. It hurts our ability to be energy independent, and it also raises prices for the American people. And generally, it hurts the competitiveness of, of our nation. So that is we overall have been opposed to that. We remain opposed. The provisions in particular that are bad for our members include the methane fee. The, tax, I the, call it yes, a tax. or the natural gas tax, the yeah. home heating tax. Yeah, there's multiple yeah, yeah, names yeah. for it. So that in particular, we are obviously very opposed to. We are opposed to the provisions around federal lands. There's a lot of, you know, multiple provisions in there which restrict our ability to produce on federal lands. And then the book minimum tax is the other thing that we have been, we're very concerned about.
2: Did, did you... um Did did you are you affected by the obviously the royalty rate increases would be a disincentive right right Right.
0: that falls under the federal lands provisions the increase in the royalty rates the bonding all of those very so then what so help me understand
2: this because like I keep seeing in like some publications like the New York Times (laughs) and the Washington Post this is somehow a balanced piece of legislation that like front loads some oil and gas production even.
0: I don't know how it's balanced when not a single Republican voted for it. I mean, isn't that in and of itself not balanced? I mean, but I think, and also I don't entirely understand that as well, because all of the provisions in there are going to restrict domestic production of oil and natural gas, which is also something the administration says that they want. So maybe that is what the Democrats are trying to do. But then at the same time, nobody wants these high gas prices. So it's kind of an interesting dilemma they put themselves in
2: yeah well i know the consumers are are not going to benefit from any of the provisions on either side of this uh, with the ins- all the incentives for to from our perspective it's a massive redistribution of wealth from like taxpayers to large corporations automobile companies um, you name it like you know utilities in in uh, it, or from it, the
3: college educated right. to the working class, something along. No, wait a minute. Lines. That's the wait, no, no, we'll thing. Talk about that. we already lines. talked sure. about that.
2: So, um, okay. So, is this the worst administration for the oil and gas industry, <laughs> or is? Uh, uh, is there hope uh, here? on planet Earth?
3: Or I, mean, the, I mean, what's the context? There's always here?
0: hope. I mean, I think our goal is to try to work with the administration because energy should not be a partisan issue. It is something that everybody should care about, both Republicans and Democrats, and across the board, both Republicans and Democrats have supported the energy industry for years. I mean, even President Obama, part of his energy policy was in all of the above energy policy. So this administration in particular is going in a different direction, which is clearly we are seeing the signs of that. And all of this is happening around record inflation, which is Uh, not great.
2: Are your members, like, is the oil and gas industry really that bad? The environment, as they say,
0: well, absolutely not. And our members, it's kind of
2: a loaded question. I mean, it's kind of a leading question. I mean, tell us, uh, like, what does this industry do, right? Like, the United States oil and gas industry, relative to, say, other nations, Nigeria, Guyana, you name it, right? Equatorial Guinea, Russia, like. What is the difference in terms of our approach to producing these resources from your guys' perspective? Prior to the
0: American shale revolution, which our companies are responsible for, we had high and unstable energy prices, we had increasing emissions, and we were reliant on foreign sources of energy. So enter the American shale companies, and post-shale revolution, we have low and stable energy prices, we have the lowest emissions in the world. And we are not reliant on foreign energy anymore or OPEC. So I would argue that the American energy companies are, and which oil and gas produced here in the United States is produced under some of the most stringent safety and environmental standards in the world is good for the environment.
2: Okay, so. Can
3: I, can I, can I, can I, can I jump this route a little bit? Yeah. Get Get in here, get in here yeah you know the the problem i always I always think about this problem the same way, right we always spend a bunch of time talking about regulation and all that happy stuff um, what do your companies actually do? what do they provide for the United States and its citizens? How important are they in the in the in the life of the United States?
0: I mean we underpin every single aspect of the American economy and i I mean I say that In kind of a you know it sounds like a silly way, but it's it's absolutely true.
3: It's it 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 is without a doubt true. I mean it is is manifestly true. Right,
0: and I mean when you look at also the shale revolution because of the increased production of oil and natural gas, we had our manufacturing jobs came back home. We were able to reduce our GDP. We also were able to increase significant amount of jobs. And also the chemical industry, they invested a lot of money because of American shale. They just put out a new report talking to how they were able to invest billions of dollars in this country due to the american shale revolution so i mean we really do, do underpin the entire do you economy. have um
2: like whole families who benefit from being oil and gas workers in this country no, <laughs> I mean, I'm, just, I, I'm trying to do I'm this sure in a that way that's like multiple and hard but like
0: in texas we, you that know, entirely benefit from the i mean from the oil and gas industry you know my point I mean, my being is obviously. like like
2: i don't think that some of those families uh are first of all they probably wouldn't need the student loan but you know they would have been paying for the student loan with those damn good high paying jobs that they have right the, the technically skilled jobs i'll be home. probing so, i'll
3: be probing you want me to be probing?
2: well of course go ahead if you had
3: something no, else, no, i'll be probing
2: you go, you go your turn
3: john fetterman yes or no
0: we don't endorse candidates of what about
3: you personally
0: don't. personally i don't
3: okay let me let me ask it a different way um a candidate from Pennsylvania who's opposed to fracking, yes or no? Well, a hypothetical candidate who would be opposed to fracking.
0: Hypothetically speaking, we obviously would like candidates who are pro American oil and gas, because especially in particular states where there is a large production of oil and natural gas.
3: Ah, true or false? Hydraulic fracturing and precision drilling has, in fact, saved the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania.
0: Oh, absolutely.
3: No question. No yeah. I think if you but go to it, Northeast
0: Pennsylvania, you talk to families out there. I mean, people have been it, able to save their local farms and their family farms and the dairy farms out there because of it, the roya- it, you know, the royalties the, that the, they're getting from the, production. Why do they get the
2: royalties? Because now, of
0: production from natural the, gas in Pennsylvania. Because of because
2: private, private product, property product, rights. That's
0: right. And you know what's really interesting is so- McCarthy did a roundtable a couple of weeks ago, and he had our former chairman, Tom Jordan, from Cotera on. And Tom told this beautiful story about the American Shale Revolution. And he specifically said that it is a uniquely American story due to personal property rights, free enterprise, and American innovation is really what created the American Shale Revolution. And that in Pennsylvania, I think, in particular, is a very it's probably
2: the, the, the shiniest example in the Speaker country in is waiting. Pennsylvania.
3: Speaker-in-waiting paid There's, paid lots of attention, paid no attention. Was he working on his hair during that conversation? Everybody
0: paid attention. I mean, okay. it was fascinating.
3: Yeah. Easy. <laughs>
2: what? Easy. I mean, I um, love really. Okay. So I actually want to tell you a story about Pennsylvania because I went out there and visited some of the artists formerly known as Cabot guys. Is this um, coming back to your yeah, throwing no. out the first pitch? No, no no. no, no. No, 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 okay. no. I won't tell that story. Thank you that we were at a a breakfast and there was a a kid at the breakfast whose father had passed away a few years earlier and he was a train wreck and he did and he was spiraling into drugs and everything else and depression and he started um towing like shovel like plowing snow for a company down there Mm -hmm. then he then he got hired to do other jobs for the company then he hired another guy and they had a two person business then a four person business, mm-hmm. the industry, that revolution in Pennsylvania saved this guy's life basically. Mm-hmm. Like he had opportunities that he didn't have otherwise. And that's like the personal side of some of this stuff too, that we get tied up in this town of all these big numbers and all these big policies, yeah. but they're actual real people on the ground who are, Benefiting in deep and meaningful ways because of the opportunities that this industry has provided for them. So I just want to throw that little thing. Uh-huh. Hundreds of
3: farms, so. hundreds of farms, thousands of small businesses, the revenues of the Commonwealth, it all, which is, and this is my opinion, um, which is what makes Fetterman so dangerous and stupid. He's perfectly prepared to send a third of the Commonwealth to the unemployment line.
2: All right, I want to fire off a few top line bullets for you give us a a quick response in terms of what your your organization is doing ready okay esg what does it mean for you guys uh and like what do you what do you consider esg and and how is it different from how we we view it as as you know sort of a, a threat to the industry.
0: And well, ESG is very important to our industry. It's something that our companies are very committed to. It's something our investors want from our companies. AXPC in particular actually has its own ESG reporting template that our companies all use to provide various information that investors want. And so we actually find it to be a very important issue.
2: So are you more on the side
0: well we're on i mean we talk about our commitment to the environment we talk about our commitment to social issues and obviously governments issues but the other thing that we also really try to do is talk about how our companies invest in the communities that they live and work and operate in and that is something that we try to tell through the esg story as well if you look at a lot of these sustainability reports that our companies put out they talk a lot about all the investments that they put in these communities and i think that if you look at esg from that perspective, there is a lot of very good things that our companies are doing in these communities.
3: Can I ask a follow-on on that? Of course. A relevant follow-on? Um, should it be federalized, formalized, and governmentized well, through I, the SEC or the EPA? Or or do you think that the current arrangement where essentially um, your investors decide what they think about what you're doing is, is sufficiently rigorous?
0: I mean, we have comments that we su- – submitted with regard to the SEC climate Mm -hmm. disclosure disclosure? supporting rule. I mean, that is obviously concerning because you know, it's generally can be considered outside the SEC's mandate. And so that is something that we obviously have been working on because it is something that's important to our companies. Sure.
2: Okay. Carbon tax. What is AXPC's position generally? uh, I know that it means something to a lot of you know, it means a lot of different things. There's a lot of different proposals floating around, but the general concept, and then also you share you know any specifics that you can. right. From, so from we are
0: generally opposed to taxes or fees that restrict domestic production of oil and natural gas. When you talk about a carbon tax, I think it is very hard to just say, yes, we are for it without knowing exactly what that proposal or that number would look like. So until you actually see a number and you're able to evaluate it and how it would affect the production of oil and natural gas here in the United States, I don't know that you can really come out and say, are Whether you, or not you're for or against are it. Are you
3: saying it's unwise to preemptively be in favor of something that you don't understand the details of?
0: That's so? my personal opinion. <laughs> 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 oh, if that were oh, no. the
2: case. Like, wait, this is Nancy Pelosi. You say all the time we got to pass, pass the bill before we can it, read it. So uh you know it's in it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no. It, it, look, uh, we are of the opinion that, uh, and I wrote a very prominent uh, opinion piece about this very recently. Congress is broken because they have basically just given up on the whole concept of actually actual legislation, legislating. And that's why we get these massive, you know, reconciliation bills and we get these huge, you know, you know, one big old spending bill. Uh, and, and it is from my perspective, it hurts the American energy industry because, um, if we had these debates openly and we had amendments and subcommittees and full committees i think uh your guys's perspective and position would out like would just be much more sort of uh advantaged in in the in, in on capitol hill because a lot of people get how important that issue is so i appreciate the fact that you recognize that you got to get granular on these things mm-hmm. on, on on things like carbon taxes so
0: and i will just say in general at axbc when it comes to legislative proposals we really try in all these different policy areas to make sure that we are evaluating based on how they affect our members, how they affect domestic oil and gas production. And then we also, we don't generally go out and just oppose things. We try to have practical, thoughtful solutions and real policy solutions that we can work with members of Congress on, as opposed to just saying that we're for or against something.
2: Got it, thanks. Okay, so let me get granular. There was talk about a border adjustment tax Carbon border adjustment Carbon mechanism, border adjustment, please. mechanism. Did you guys take a position on that?
0: We did not take a public position on that, that I'm okay. aware of. I'd have to double check, but I don't remember coming out okay. with anything on that. Because I don't know that that is, we have, the thing about hPC is we're very specifically focused on a few key issues that matter the most to our members. And so those issues are the ability to produce on federal lands, market access issues, regulatory issues. So we talk about the methane, the regulation of methane. And then when you talk about capital and tax issues. So- we try to because we're small mm-hmm. and we have you know a very small staff and resource, we really try to focus on those particular so you
2: issues. stick to like the core four that you just described. Yes. And, okay, can I, can I
3: inject something depressing? Fire up. I'm talking on Paul Sissio's group, uh, middle of September. I think I don't know what I'm talking about. I think I'm talking about elections and climate or some such thing. Um, two panels behind me. Carbon border adjustment mechanism. A whole panel on it, like three or four panelists and the whole bit. Yeah. It's bad mojo. Go ahead. Do your thing.
2: Um what you, we talked earlier. You said you guys have uh exciting stuff on the horizon. What are you guys cooking up? Like what what is the, you know, what's the fall look like for you guys? And then assuming that the Congress changes
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what's your program for sort of the new Congress?
0: Right. I mean, I think anytime it's a new Congress, we always want to make sure that we're educating. Of the new folks about the importance of oil and natural gas, not just to the traditional districts where we operate, but also kind of outside that footprint. I think now we have a real opportunity to inform and educate people about the importance of domestic production because I think now more than ever, this issue is on the forefront of everybody's minds when they're filling up their gas tanks. And as we move into the winter, when people are starting to get their electricity bills and the prices are going to be really high, we're going to start to be talking about that more as well. So I think always the first time, our first focus will be educating people about the importance of our companies and our work that we do. Um, I think we're also going to be continuing to focus on the importance of exports. So as we talk about both crude exports and LNG exports, we want to make sure that we're continuing to have access to global markets and that there's policies in place that allow for continued increase in LNG, um, U.S. LNG exports, from our country around the globe, because as we saw with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that obviously became very important from a geopolitical standpoint, but it's also really important from a climate standpoint.
2: Gotcha. Any questions from you, sir?
0: I don't know that I really want my desk anymore. Questions? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like really I'm to clean I this up a way. little a bit.
3: I that's from a lot of people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, one comment that I might might roll into a question, right? The Europeans are now, um, gas is trading in Europe at 80 bucks per MMBT, right? The equivalent of 80 bucks per MMBT, right? Which is about nine times what we're trading in the United States right now. Um, I mean, this is a serious question. It's coming our way, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. Um, you know, I don't think the American people are going to support, I don't know how to say this the right way, We're going to support any further linkages between the the United States gas market and the international gas market. And I think, you know, eventually we're going to start talking about LNG exports in that. Because if you think about it, that's exactly sort of what's happening, right? American gas producers are are able to make more money now by shipping it offshore than keeping it onshore. So there's a problem. I think it's going to be a problem.
0: Well, I think. The biggest issue to the cost of natural gas is the lack of pipeline and infrastructure. I agree totally. Yes. When people are pointing, the, the real issue when you're talking about these increased is, prices is, is, is there's not enough is pipelines. The ta- is
3: the takeaway. Takeaway especially, and you know, I'll, I'll say this, you tell me if I'm thinking about it the right way, takeaway especially in the Marcellus and the Utica. Right, we just don't have nearly enough pipes to get no. get out the gas. No, I mean, uh, or or
2: just the I- idiocy of not being able to move this stuff up uh, into uh, Boston. Right, you can't move it 200 miles. Right. and
0: then so in the Northeast, they're getting their natural gas imported from tankers from Russia because there's not a pipeline to take it the 200 miles from well, the Marcellus region. We're over to the never gonna
2: build a pipeline across the Hudson no, River. No, Joe I don't Manchin mind got the Mountain Valley Pipeline through though, didn't he?
3: No, he didn't. Oh no,
2: I thought he did.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think's gonna happen with the environmental permitting reform?
0: I don't know we'll have to see what comes out of it. I mean, yeah. a hopefully, I mean, if you re, permitting reform is an absolute must. I, I mean, we have to have idea. it. It's we need it in the oil and gas industry, the renewables industry needs it. I mean, you cannot build anything in this country right now because of the permitting structure. Yeah. Everybody I think knows.
3: Section that. I was going to say section 401 on the Clean Water Act kills everything all by itself.
2: Um you you're you're, a, you're the vice president of communications, messaging and media relations. What Is going on in the world right now with with respect to the media and and this whole like sort of the energy and environment and sort of climate, yeah, space. Like, give us your perspective on it. So
0: this is my personal perspective, of course. So I think it's to to clarify, (laughs) Liz is here on her own accord at this moment.
2: Emphasize once again. So
0: so I over the course of you know my brief career, I think it has been interesting that when I started, you had a lot of you know energy reporters. And then it became Energy and Environment Reporters, and now it is Climate Reporters. And so just even the titles in and of itself has significantly shifted, I think, in the space of the reporters that we work with. Now, I am very lucky that being in the energy space, I do feel like a lot of the reporters that I work with on a day-to-day basis really do try to understand the issues. They want to understand, okay, so this methane fee is in the IRA. How is this really going to affect you? What does this mean? You're saying you're opposed to it. Can you explain why? And I actually feel like for the most part, they really do want to understand the policies and the issues and the players in a way that you know other beat reporters I don't necessarily do, especially I think on the political side. I think uh-huh. it's very frustrating sometimes when energy issues do rise to more of the table, you know, dinner table level that they're at right now because then more, you know, breaking news and more political reporters in and they don't necessarily want to understand the issue. So I'm kind of going off on random tangents, not making a lot of sense. I mean, I think...
3: Maybe I can help focus just a shade. <laughs> what do you What do you make of the fact that the New York Times has uh, 37 climate beat reporters and like two business beat reporters?
0: Right. Well, that's the New York Times. I mean, they're, I don't know that that's necessarily... I don't know that every American in this country reads the New York times, you know, I mean, what? I think that there's a lot, if you want to understand energy policy, I think that there's better places to go. I mean, I think it depends on what, and I think that that's why these new medium like podcasts are so great because people have other ways to get their information. There's different voices that are out there. People can really focus. They can learn new areas. And I think that that's when kind of you need to, unique and interesting to see the shift in the new mediums from it's not just cable news anymore. And now because people don't really watch cable news as much at all, there's all these different ways to get information. And so it makes it challenging because you have to find ways to break through. But I think it's also a really nice opportunity.
2: Good, good. Well, I really appreciate your time and we would love to have you back. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't that
0: no, it wasn't. That
2: yeah, good. it wasn't too much of a hot seat, right? Really? Uh, we, we, we tried our best. Be a lot worse. So. <laughs> it can always be,
0: Anyways, it can always be worse. Anyways. It can always
2: be worse. Liz <laughs> Bowman, thing, what, how was your summer?
0: It's been good. Yeah.
2: Did you do anything fun? Did you take any good vacations yeah. or anything? Are you going to before Maybe. Labor Day starts? You got My plans? kids don't
0: start school until after Labor Day, so we're going to try to do some stuff next week. We're oh, good.
2: Did you good. take any good vacations, Tom? I actually had a really, really hectic summer. Go away! That, but I am taking my my oldest daughter to Universal Studios for her birthday oh, in I... September, which is very exciting. So, really, yeah, that's it.
3: You sure she's not taking you? <laughs>
2: No, okay.
0: I'm taking her. Just wanted, just I mean, it's her birthday qu- present. Harry <laughs> gets Potter a birthday World, all that stuff. She's very excited about <laughs> it. <laughs> all right, Liz, thank, thank you, you Liz. very much. Thank Liz you. Bowman
2: with the American Exploration and Production Council. Thank you. Thank Anne, your whole team. Um, I like to say that uh, AXPC and another organization, uh, IPAA, are the true yeah, man, oil and gas industry representatives in this they're country doing the be- they're doing the best work in this space. because they I represent am. the little guys the, the wildcatters the independents the folks who do this stuff here so thank you very much thank, thank you. you take care all right well thank that you. was that was a good conversation with liz and uh we promised her that we would have her and or back uh in a future episode of the unregulated podcast your Washington Times commentary this week, sir. I'm not sure what they're going to actually run. That
3: was sort of up in the air as recently as two hours ago. I would encourage everybody to read the editorial. It's coming either tomorrow or uh, Friday. Um, it is about the European problem. And, okay, and which we touched on already. It, in so, fact. And, and thank that-
2: you again to the Washington Times for being a, a co-sponsor of the Unregulated Podcast. Appreciate you very much um let's see bullet round here ford is cutting we had a clip about job cuts three thousand jobs yeah i saw that you know what their reason was yeah
3: because we needed to free up cash for the electric vehicle thing (laughs) i was
2: like all i could think of is you know you
3: want to fire these guys just fire these guys what kind of of people are you this is so
2: mean and then of course secretary jenny is still on her worldwide tour convincing poor Americans that they can benefit from the Inflation Reduction Act by retrofitting their homes and buying a $67,000 electric vehicle. So thank you Secretary so Gray. She actually sounds like she's like doing a pitch commercial for like a, a product. I
3: know, I know. she. Well, you know, the funny thing is, so I, I finally went through the act and read it like yesterday, all of it, because I, cause I had to know something about it. So I read it all you realize these tax credits for heat pumps and water heaters are worth like nothing really. You know, you can only claim like 600 bucks at a time and you can't claim more than like 3,000 bucks a year. And it has to be like the very, very, very most efficient model, which is always going to be the most expensive one. So, because I was listening to her talk about this and I'm just like, I wonder if that's legit. And then you read it and you're like, Yeah, there's no way that would actually work for anybody other than rich people who want a virtue signal. So anyway.
2: Yeah, and of course we played a clip earlier uh, of Dr. Fauci who, after years and 40 years of service, is packing it in this December. Gee, I
1: wonder – Hmm
2: could it have anything to do with the fact that the Republicans might take the house yeah i would expect he's going mm. i would
3: i would not be surprised if he heads off to europe for a couple of years
2: uh well he'll be he'll be greeted with open arms in yeah, china was, that's uh, for sure well, so he may it, go there
3: he didn't lock down anything that's the important thing to remember too. uh
2: one other big new another big news and I was deeply deeply troubled yeah by this announcement yes cnn as retired, reliable sources. Yeah, I saw that. And Brian Stelter is no longer. You know,
3: Liz was right. An about, anchor.
2: Liz was totally right about it's the one end thing, of an era, uh, Mike. Uh, stop.
3: It's the end. Liz was totally right about Liz Bowman was right about a bunch of stuff, but the one thing she was completely right about is nobody watches that stuff anymore. I have no idea who watches Fox or CNN. It's most of the programming is literally unwatchable. I mean, it's like
2: it's like watching soccer. It's just terrible. It's just terrible.
3: <laughs> Can anybody watch? Soccer? All right.
2: I am finished. I got a going away clip uh, from th- one of our favorite recurring well, hold on celebrities. For so I will hold that got, uh, and and work. Let's work the rest of your list and let's call it a day. Man. We got say, dinner to go to.
3: I got three things real quick. Um, first off, methane, uh, the bill, the, the Inflation um, Reduction Act, which doesn't reduce inflation nor act really um, Inflation Reduction Act uh, imposes a methane tax on exploration production, but you know what it does You know who it specifically exempts? It specifically exempts the local distribution companies, the LDCs, for methane leaks in their system, which is weird because I'm fairly confident most of the methane that the United States leaks into the atmosphere comes out of legacy systems like Boston, New York, and Philadelphia. You know. Oh, shocker! I'm. 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 I'm a little uncertain I'm a little unclear on why those that methane mm. is okay. Well, because it's, other gem, methane it's
2: blue okay. methane, not red methane. It's old also, methane. Also, did you know like that blue uh methane, not the red methane
3: that's pretty funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you know that the IRS uh, agents will 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 be required by the Inflation Reduction Act not to audit any congressional yeah, personnel.
3: I, you know, I don't know if that's true. So we probably need to check that. I saw, I saw it tweeted. I didn't see any like, I didn't see any. Okay. I didn't well, see anything in the t- in the legislative uh, well, text on it. Let's. We're let's, gonna find it. We're gonna let's find
2: hold it. that as a placeholder. Maybe, maybe not. Okay. And we'll verify it.
3: The other thing that struck me about the act, as I read through it, was. Um, Is that the Mineral Leasing Act, they reform, put that in quotes, the Mineral Leasing Act. In other words, they make it more expensive to lease minerals. Well, you say, of course, but there's no way any of this works. Domestic content, assembly, EVs, all this hoorah. There's no way any of this stuff works unless you're going to build us a hell of a lot of mines in the United States in the next 10 years. Right? Now, you know, I know. The the Biden administration is never going to approve any mines. Never going to happen. But the fact that inside the legislation itself, they make it more difficult and more expensive to dig minerals out of the ground in the United States, I thought was crazy. Pete Stauber, um, I'm looking forward to doing an interview with you in in September. And I know we're going to talk about this because he's a mining guy. Well, they raise the royalty rates too, right? They raise royalty. I mean, I expected that. But the point is like
2: what I – talked about with with liz like they they made it sound like this was some some trade-off like more oil and gas for more renewables there as she said as well there's nothing in here that's right for the domestic oil and gas industry and nothing
3: and it turns out there's nothing but damage for the domestic mining industry too um okay last thing um i want to i want to clarify one thing uh, because it's important um when i say the europeans are being um are being reckless and careless with respect to energy. I want to specifically exclude the French. Um, They have announced a, they have announced a new round of building nuclear power plants. They're talking about great big giant units, like 1800 megawatts. Now the French government has of course completely finished their takeover of electricity to France. So it's going to be a national thing, but I will say this, unlike the Germans who are allowing their nuclear plants to retire, their three remaining ones to retire, French still have 48 going. I think they have eight more on the board. They're doing what they need to do, right? They're doing what they can to insulate their course, people. Of
2: uh, course, President Macron to today, this week, told French citizens to basically get used to like let- – Get used to like a lot less, yeah. right? Like the, the area of abundance is over. Well, suck I, it up. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, a real Marie Antoinette moment. Well, right? I think
3: I think you know I think I think I'll find the the clip for that. I, I think he's trying to he's trying to manage expectations, right? <laughs> yeah, you know the, the, the one of the Belgian guys said or Belgians, Netherlands, one of the Low Country guys said, "Hey, we should get used to five to ten, somewhere between five and ten winters that are going to be really bad until we yeah, figure out how to our, make that up." That was
2: in our clips. Our yeah. American Energy Alliance yeah. in the pipeline clips this week. Yeah,
3: and it was just like, yeah, sure, five or ten. Good luck to you. Um, okay. Last, I wanted to say that about the French because I, I do not want to lump them in with the rest of the Europeans. We, Missouri. Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know what that means. Um, last thing this is a quiz. Um, I want your input on it. The chances of Senator Manchin getting his environmental whatever bill? You can't call it Wait, permitting reform because it's not. <laughs> can't call it permitting reform because it's not. Well,
2: we already know he's not going to get it because al- already a whole, like maybe a half a dozen or so House members said, I- I'm not bound by any permitting reform
3: Maybe I should ask this question in a different way. What's he going to do when it doesn't happen? Is he really going to shut the government down over it? Of course he won't. Of course he won't. Uh,
2: I think he's vying for the ambassador to Italy position Is is the latest rumor.
3: Can't trust these Sicilians.
2: Uh, easy, just easy. Can't trust them.
3: All right, go ahead. Bring it All home. All right, bring it on home. We're bringing mom. it home, baby.
2: We're bringing it home. We're talking about the Northern Triangle.
0: So each country has its own identity, its own culture, its own history, and that should be respected. Which is why you will see that I, I rarely, if ever. In the northern triangle. To focus on the northern triangle. Not just in the northern triangle. To help the northern triangle, to combat violence in the northern triangle. And to focus on the northern triangle. One of my areas of focus, which is the northern triangle. That are affecting the northern triangle. To provide immediate relief to the northern triangle to address the root causes in the northern triangle.
2: That is a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. We are off to Il Piatto for dinner this evening.
3: It's so painful.
2: It's so painful.
3: I don't mean to laugh.
2: I hope you enjoy the rest of your summer. We will be back after. Wait, we got one more week till Labor Day.
3: I think we got one more week till Labor. We might do something next week. We'll figure it out.
2: All right. <laughs> Peace out. It's
1: unregulated in the books. Namaste. <laughs>